Church, how we doing today? We feeling good? Everybody's still like, I ate too much food. If you've eaten way too much food in the last week, raise your hand. I'm raising both hands. I'm like, I was like, man, my belt's a little tight during worship. I need some new, I need some new pants or something. So, so here we go. I want to I wanna kick 2022 off right. Y'all are throwing me off. Y'all are usually over there. Like, y'all are over here today. Let's kick 2022 off right. So 2021's behind us. Amen. Hey, can I remind some people 2020's behind us? Like, can I, can I, get, an a, can I get an amen? I, I, I pulled up some New Year's resolution quotes. I, I'm, I'm kind of cheesy like that. So I want to read a few of them off to us today. Don't make resolutions without an action plan. I think a lot of people in the room, you've made some resolutions, but you haven't put an action plan to those resolutions. It's like, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds. What are you going to do? I don't know. Hey, I want to start a business. Did you open up a bank account for that business? Nope. Have you saved money for that business? Nope. You don't have a plan to the resolutions that you made. Jordan Ring said this, a failure to take precise and deliberate action is the reason why so many New Year's resolutions and other goals fail. Cavett Roberts said this, character is the ability to carry out a good resolution long after the excitement of the moment has passed. I think a lot of us are excited right now. A lot of us are excited for a new year. We're excited for a new beginning. But will your character carry you past that excitement? I like this one. Like many other people, you've decided to make New Year's resolutions because you know there are things in your life that you're unhappy about. I think when we look towards a new beginning, when we look towards a New Year's resolution, what we realize is there's things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves or our current situation that we want to change. And for some reason, we think that January 1st is like some magical date where we can make everything change. Right, right. I love this quote by Ronnie Adgun. He says this, It's not just a New Year's resolution, but a resolution for a new life, a life filled with God's goodness any time of year. And I'm sure, I'm sure that every single person in this room has heard from God this past week for your New Year's resolution. I'm sure that every single person in this room has been in your prayer closet. You've been on your knees before God and you said, God, what do you want me to change about my life in 2022? You've set your New Year's resolutions and you're ready to have the best year of your life. And today, all I really need to do is give you some good motivational quotes like, like New Year, New Me. I need to just give you some good motivational quotes like, like 2022 is going to be the best year of your life. Why? Because you've heard from God, right? You, you've been in your prayer closet. You feel like you're the most spiritual now than you've ever been before. Maybe, maybe not. I, I googled a few cringeworthy church signs for New Year's and, and these were some of my favorite. I hate cheesy stuff, by the way. This is one of them. Let God bring solution to your New Year's resolution. It's a cheesy, it's a cheesy sign. Uh, what about this one? I don't make resolutions. I make promises. Y'all can laugh at those. These are supposed to be funny. I think they're funny. If not, you'll probably never come back to this church. Your resolutions versus my revelation. Game on. It's like you pass these church signs and you read them and you're like, what in the world does that, what does that even mean? And I, I get it, I get it. We, we want to start the new year off right. We want to be better versions of ourselves. We want to go in a new direction. There's some things maybe in our life that we want to change because we're not necessarily happy with them or we know that those areas in our life can be better. 
but, but too often, church, hear me, too often we treat New Year or a New Year resolution like we can just hit Control-Alt-Delete on our keyboard and get rid of the past. We act like we can just hit Control-Alt-Delete on the previous year, get rid of it, or at least copy and paste and, or, or cut out the things that we didn't like about the previous year and just change them for the future. I don't know if you're like me or not, but, but man, I didn't necessarily hear like a big word or direction from God for 2022. It's like, Zach, you're a pastor. Can you say that? I, absolutely, because I'm going to be real and raw with you today. So, so this is what I want to start off 2022 with. What happens, what's your response when you feel like you haven't heard from God? What's your real response if you're honest with yourself when you're sitting at home and you're sitting at your kitchen table or maybe you're getting ready in the morning or, or maybe you're sitting on the couch and you start to think about something like, man, what is God telling me to do for 2022? And if you're honest with yourself, there's probably people in this room that you're going, man, I haven't even thought about it. I don't know that I necessarily heard a direction from God. What's, what's going on in my life? I, I don't know if I truly heard wh what God said. And if I'm honest with you, this sermon for me was one of the hardest sermons for me to write in the past 12 months. And it's not, it's not because it was a new year. It's not because I wasn't praying. It wasn't because I had so much theological content that I wanted to deliver to you. It wasn't that I had so many messages to choose from that I didn't know which one to pick. It wasn't that I came down off of the mountaintop and I had so much content in my head that I wanted to deliver to the church. To be honest with you, over the past two weeks, I felt physically and spiritually distant from God. Again, Zach, you're the pastor. Can you, can you say that? Well, yeah, just because I have the title of pastor doesn't mean I'm not human. And I'm sure that, that during your walk with Christ, maybe you've had some of these moments. I felt like it was hard to hear from God. Not, not because I was falling away from my faith, not because I was having doubt, not because I was beating myself up, not because I wasn't praying. I've been talking to God. It wasn't because I wasn't seeking. I've been seeking God. I'll, I'll put it this way. Sometimes it just be like that. Like, you know what I'm saying, right? So sometimes it's just that way. I'll put it like this in our normal day-to-day -day life. Maybe you show up at work and you're sitting down at your desk or you're talking to a co-worker and, and that day at work was just like blah. And you think about your job and you, you think about all that you do and if you're honest with yourself, you, you like your job. Your job brings you some life. It brings you fulfillment. But you just had an off day. You just had a dry day at work. Maybe, maybe you go to the gym, and you're in the gym, and you're ready to get after it, and then all of a sudden, when you walk into the gym, you don't have anything to give. You have no go. Yesterday, I was at the gym, and, and I did a workout, and, and man, I, I felt like I had all this energy, and, and you can ask Jake. I said, I'd never do this, but I sat against the wall after the workout for about 15 minutes, and I would get up like, hey, let's do another workout. I'm like, nope, nothing in me. I'm sitting back down like I have nothing to give. And then Luke and Curtis, Brandy, a few other people, like, they started another workout. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Let's do this thing. And, and I started the workout. I get it about halfway through. I'm like, man, I have nothing in me. I was dry. I had nothing to give. We feel like this in our, 
our life sometimes, and it can overflow into our, our spiritual life. What about this one? Maybe you're with your family, and, and everything's good in your family, but, but you sit down on the couch, and you feel like you have nothing to give. You come in from a day uh, of work, or, or maybe you come in from a business trip, or, or whatever the case may be, and you walk in, and your kids run up to you, and you love your kids with all your heart, but you feel like you have nothing to give. Sometimes you just have dry days. And if we're not careful, our dry days will trickle over into our spiritual life, and you feel like you're in this rut where you're just going through the motions and you're not truly hearing from God. I get it. Listen, we all, we all have dry days. I don't want to discredit a dry day. I don't want to act like we don't have dry days. We do. Sometimes we have physical and spiritual and emotional dry days. But, but what about this? What if there are other things that are keeping us from hearing the voice of God? There's four specific things that I want to go through today. Again, I'll preface it with this. Maybe you're just in a, a dry day. Maybe you're just in a little bit of a, a rut. Or maybe there's four specific things that we can point to and see in Scripture. I have to ask you this. What's your response when you feel like God isn't speaking? What's your response when, when you feel like God isn't speaking? The first thing that I want you to jot down if you're taking notes. Remember, we're a note-taking church. If you haven't taken notes, make a New Year's resolution, even though I just made fun of them. Make a New Year's resolution to take some notes. But, but let me ask you this. Maybe you're not hearing from God because you're running from him. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Some of you are like, Jonah has a whole book of the Bible. I thought it was just a story. But that's where you laugh, church. That was a joke. Ha ha. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, what did Jonah do? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship Bound for that port after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. Why? Scripture says to flee from the Lord. Listen, some of us have heard our assignment from God, but then we look the other way. We said, hey, buddy, that ain't it. That, that word, God, that's not for me. You've got the wrong person. God, I can't do that. In fact, I heard what you said, but I'm going to go the other direction. I'm going to get away from the call that you've had. I'm going to act like I didn't hear you. I'm just going to run from God. And when we run from God, it shows that you want the title but not the assignment. So, see, Jonah wanted to be a prophet, but he didn't want the assignment of a prophet. And we get this big chest and act like we stand for something until we have to put in the work. I'll be a Christ follower. I'll hear from God until I have to get my hands dirty. I'll follow the call of God on my life until it affects my finances. I'll follow the call of God on my life until it affects my time. I'll follow the call of God on my life until it affects my weekend. I'll follow the call of God on my life until it makes me uncomfortable. And then what I'll do is I'll act like I didn't hear from God, and I'll just run the other direction. Maybe we're not hearing from God because we're running the other direction. The second thing I want you to jot down is this. Maybe you're not hearing from God because you keep making excuses. Listen, we, we all know, we all know the excuse maker. And if you don't know an excuse maker, 
you're probably the excuse maker. But, but, but you know what I'm talking about. Zach, how many times do you talk to people about coming to the gym and you're just met with an excuse on why they can't come to the gym? It's like, it's like you don't have to answer that, but, but it's like, hey, it's like, hey you want to you change your life. You want to change the way you physically look. Get in the gym. Oh, man, I can't get in the gym. I don't have enough time. Oh, I can't, I, I can't do that. I can't do what y'all do at the gym. There, there's no way I could keep up. And, and you're met with an excuse. Or maybe you want to change the way you eat and, and you feel like you can't. You, you give an excuse. Or you invite somebody to church and they tell you why they can't come to church on a Sunday. Well, if church was on a Tuesday night at 9 o'clock, I could probably come. But I can't come Sunday morning. Like they give you an excuse. And maybe you've been asked to serve in the church and your response has been an excuse. I, I, I love this one and I hate it at the same time. I hear people a lot complain about their job. And I'm like, listen, in this market, go get a new job. Well, I can. I got to do this and that. And no, it's, you're just making an excuse. If you want to change your lifestyle, if you want to change your life, if you want to change your direction, then just make the changes. Don't give an excuse. And I think if we read scripture, nobody great in the Bible ever made excuses, right? Negative. Like Moses, Moses was a walking excuse. Look at Exodus chapter 3. God says this, now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said what to God? He made an excuse. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Again, Moses' first response to God was an excuse. But God was patient and God answered, I will be with you and, and this will be your sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God at this mountain. God says, hey, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to tell you what to say. And you would think that, that Moses would have got a big chest and responded like, let's go. I'm getting after it. No, what was Moses' response? It was another excuse. But, said Moses to God, if I go the Israel, to the Israelites and say to them that the God of your ancestors has sent me and they ask, what is his name? What do I tell them? And again, God was patient, and God replied to Moses, I am who I am. And then he added, this is what you tell the Israelites, I am has sent you. God spoke further to Moses. And, and you would think that when God said, I am has sent you, the God of the universe, the creator of everything is sending you, you would think that Moses would have responded positively, but what did he, re he respond with? You guessed it, it was an excuse. Moses answered. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to, him, said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So, so first off in this story, God tells Moses, I will be with you. But Moses' response was an excuse. And then God says, I am who I am. Tell, tell the Israelites that I am has sent you. But Moses has an excuse. And then God says, you know what? Let me show you a miracle. Let me show you something a little crazy that you didn't think could happen. He says, hey, hey Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses goes, well, it's just a, a staff. And God says, throw it on the ground. And Moses throws it on the ground, and then Scripture goes on to tell us that, that God says, Hey, Moses, pick up the snake by the tail, and, and he did, and it turned into a staff. 
Now, for some of you, that would have been a miracle in and of itself. Because as soon as you saw the snake, you would have ran the other way. And as soon as God told you to pick up the snake, you would have said, God, you're crazy. Unless you're Michelle Norris. You grew up playing with snakes, evidently, and like holding them in your house. Like, that's just, that's just weird. But, but God, shows, God shows Moses these miracles. And then scripture goes on to tell us that, that God even showed Moses a miracle in his own body. The Bible says that God looked at Moses and said, hey, Moses, reach your hand into your cloak. And Moses reached his hand into his cloak, and, and he pulled it out. And Scripture tells us that his hand was rotting, it was decaying, it was leprous. It was literally, his flesh was literally falling off the bone. And God says, Moses, put your hand back in your cloak, and he puts it back in. And, and when he pulls his hand back out, his hand was made whole. So, so God says, Moses, I'm with you. God says, I am who I am. God shows Moses miracles in his life. And you would think that Moses was ready to sign up to go to Egypt to talk to the Israelites and to pull them out of bondage. But again, Moses' response was an excuse. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Now Moses wants a title. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and in tongue. I always thought that sentence was funny in Scripture. I always thought that, that Moses saying, I'm not eloquent, I can't speak, I don't know what this. I thought that was ironic because every time God said something, Moses was always quick to respond. Moses always had a quick tongue. Moses knew what he wanted to say to God. And he responded with, I'm not good enough. I have an excuse. And the Lord said to him, hey, Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives the sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will help you speak and, you will and, and teach you what to say. And finally, Moses just outright says what I think a lot of us internally think. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I feel like we always think, that God, I'm going to make every excuse in the book, but can you just please send someone else? If my excuses don't work, can you just please send someone else? Can you please send someone else? I think what we see in this verse is, again, someone wanted the title, but they didn't want the assignment. Zach, what are you talking about? Notice how Moses' language changed. Pardon your servant, God. God, I'll, I'll be your servant, but I don't want that assignment. How many of us treat God that way? Hey, hey God, I'll, I'll be your servant. I'll, I'll be a Christ follower until the assignment makes me a little uncomfortable. And then I'm going to act like I don't hear you, and I'm just going to make excuses. And our excuses start to get in the way and maybe we feel like we're not hearing from God because we've given God excuse after excuse after excuse it would sound a little something like this I can't blank because blank I, I can't lose weight because I can't find time to work out I, I can't start a business because I don't have the money I can't serve in the church because I have commitment issues I can't tithe 10% to the local church because I don't trust God with my finances. I can't plant a church because I've never done it before. What is your I can't blank statement because blank? 
I, I think we can, all, we can all resonate with this one. You can fill in your own blank, but I can't blank because I'm too old. Or, or, or what about this one? I can't blank because I'm too young. I used to hate when my dad said this. He would say this statement ad nauseum. In fact, we couldn't use the word can't in my household, and it's something that we've adopted as our girls are getting older. Like, don't say can't. We don't say can't. We don't use the word can't. And my dad would always say this. He would say can't never could until they tried. Like, ad nauseum, I would hear that. Girl. Anybody else ever hear that statement, can't never could until they tried? Like, I would hear, and I can just hear my dad's voice in my head every time. I'm presented with something that's hard or, or something that's difficult. Henry Ford put it this way, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Think about that for a second. Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. But remember what God said to Moses every time he made excuses. What did he say? Don't worry. I'm with you. Even when we make excuses, God looks down on us and he says, hey, don't worry. I- I'm going to be with you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number three, maybe you're not hearing from God because you think you're not good enough. Does anybody have stories in their life that, that something happened to you and, and it's just it's a story that you've carried with you or an experience that you've carried with you maybe a lot longer than you should have? Because I have several of those. This isn't one that I'm proud of, but I carry it like a badge. So when I was, when I was growing up, Man, I, I love playing baseball. I played ball for 12 years, and uh, man, I, I love to compete. If you know me now, you know I'm competitive. If you know me now, if we're playing a sport, I'm going to act like I'm going to beat you. I might not be the most athletic, but I'm going to talk like I'm the most athletic. I'm 5'9", white, and slow, and I act like I'm 6'6", I'm six, six and like an NBA athlete, right? Like I'm just, I'm not that athletic, but I act like I am. So growing up, Man, I, I played ball, and, and I remember being at Andrew Jackson State Park in South Carolina, and we had our banquet at the end of the year. And, uh, and at the end of the, any banquet season, like everybody's getting their trophies and first places being announced. But something else that happened for us is when the All-Star team was announced. And I remember the names being called out for the All-Star team. And, and, and I made it the year past, but, but that year I, I didn't make the team. I was actually an alternate just in case somebody got hurt. So I wasn't good enough to be on the team, but I was good enough to be on the team if, if somebody got hurt. I was the first alternate. And I remember being at Andrew Jackson State Park, and I remember the awning that we were under, and, and I remember walking out with my head down. And, and if I'm honest with you, I started to cry. And it, was, it started to get a little uncontrollable, and, and I remember just standing there with my head down. I had my hat pulled down about as far as it could go so, so nobody could see my eyes, and I was trying not to make a noise. And I remember two individuals walked by me. I remember it like it was yesterday. I won't tell you their last names, but Stephen and Mark walked by me. And I remember them laughing at me. And I remember them chuckling. And I remember them saying verbatim, Zach, did you really think you were good enough to make the all-star team? And in that moment, I had a decision, will I live like I'm never going to be good enough, or will I strive to be good enough? Will I strive to make a team? Now you know why I'm as competitive as I am. It's stories like that that, that have stuck with me, but, but what, is it, what is it for you? Because I know the individuals in this room have similar stories. Maybe it was with sports. 
Or maybe it was with a job that you had that someone told you that you weren't good enough to have the job. Maybe there's a voice that you listened to in your life that as you started a business, you, you felt like you weren't good enough to start the business. Maybe it was when you were becoming a parent or you found out you were becoming a parent or you started to become a parent and you're like, I'm not good enough for this. I'm, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this season. I'm not good enough for this season. What area of your life do you feel like you're not good enough? If we're not careful, what happens is that those moments and those areas begin to filter over and funnel over and spill over into our spiritual life. Remember a few weeks ago when we talked about Gideon, all the way back in Judges chapter 6, Gideon is in the bottom of this wine press And the Spirit of the Lord meets Gideon in the bottom of the wine press. And the Spirit of the Lord called Gideon what? A mighty warrior. Judges chapter 6 verse 15 says this. uh, Gideon's response, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So Gideon's like, listen, God, I think you got it wrong. Because you've got Manasseh, my clan's at the bottom. And then out of my clan, I'm at the bottom of my clan. It's probably why I'm in the wine press threshing wheat because nobody else wanted to do it. Right? Like I'm at the bottom of the bottom. And we say, hold up, God. Like I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. We feel like we don't hear from God because our initial response is, I'm not good enough to hear from God. I'm not good enough to to have the call of God on my life. So what we do is we we put this layer of I'm not good enough on our lives because of X, Y, or Z. And then we have the audacity to say I'm not hearing from God. But we don't allow ourselves to hear from God. And I think if we're not careful, we can do this in our subconsciousness. It's in the way that we respond to ourselves. Not necessarily how others respond to us, but how you respond to yourself. It's the lack of grace that you have with yourself. It's the lack of forgiveness that you have with yourself. It's the lack of confidence that you have in yourself. It's the way that you downplay your ability and your gifts. But what does God tell Gideon just like he told Moses? God says, don't worry, I'm with you. What is God telling you when you feel like you're not hearing from him? Regardless of the season you're walking through, God says something along the lines of, don't worry, I am with you. And and, and maybe, maybe number four, if you're taking notes, maybe you're not hearing from God because you've taken a little bit of a hiatus. Think about Saul's conversion to Paul. What what am I talking about? Look at Acts chapter 9. Saul was killing Christ followers. And he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then he starts proclaiming the gospel message. And one commentary puts it this way. After his initial conversion experience, Saul began preaching in Jerusalem. But the Jews threatened his life. For his own safety, the other apostles sent him to Tarsus. And in his letter to Galatians, Saul says that he went to Arabia after this incident and only returned, listen to this, only returned three years later. And scripture does not say why he went or what he was doing there, but it's likely that he practiced his trade as a tent maker and used this time for spiritual preparation. One theologian posed this question. He said, was Paul avoiding the spectacular calling given on the road to Damascus and his response is this perhaps perhaps 
Maybe you're in this room and you've had an encounter with God at one point in your life. And for some reason, you've taken a hiatus. For some reason, you started to play in the background. And inevitably, what happened, you used to, not that you had to be front and center on a stage, but... But treat this for a moment. Look at this illustration like this. For, for a moment, man, when you had that encounter with, with God, when you had that encounter with Jesus, you were proclaiming the gospel message. And something happened. You had a life experience. And, and maybe you started proclaiming the gospel message a little more distant than you did. And for some reason, you started proclaiming the gospel message and you started playing the background and and then your voice took a hiatus and we wonder we wonder why the world we wonder why our society is acting the way that it's acting too many Christ followers are taking a hiatus too too many Christ followers are just comfortable going inside their house and shutting their door and not proclaiming the gospel message and then we get uncomfortable in our society the same way you got a little uncomfortable in here. Like, how, is the service over? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, are we just going to wait for God to come back? Because that's what we're doing. We're just waiting for God to come back. We're, we're acting like we're not hearing the word of God. We're acting like we're not hearing from God. We go in our homes. We go in our closets. We shut our door. And we say, I'm just going to wait until Jesus returns. We're, we're taking a hiatus. And hopefully this message encourages somebody. Because this is what I realized for me. Remember what I said at the beginning of the sermon. This is one of the hardest messages for me to write because of some things that I've been walking through. And and what I've recognized is a dry season is okay. Because scripture says that God is still with you. Can I encourage somebody to keep pushing forward because God is still with you. What I recognize as I was writing this sermon, whether I think I can or I can't, I'm right. Henry Ford nailed it on the head. And most importantly, something that we all need to remind ourselves of is that God's promises still ring true. Even after Jonah ran from God, God says, I'm still with you. Even after Moses was full of excuses, God says, I'm still with you. Even when Gideon responded and said, God, I'm not good enough, what was God's response? I'm still with you. Look a little deeper into Scripture. What what was Jeremiah's response when God called Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, God, I'm too young. 
God, I don't, I don't have the words. I'm too young. But God says, I'm still with you. What about Paul? What after he took a hiatus and he came back? God says, Paul, I'm with you. Don't worry. I am with you. Can I encourage somebody today? Man, if you're running, stop running. Can I encourage somebody today? If you're full of excuses, stop making excuses. If you feel like you're too young or too old, you're not. Stop making excuses. If you feel like you're not good enough, stop listening to the lies of hell. If you've been out of the game, it's time to get back in. Even in your dry season, God says, I am with you. We sang about it at the beginning of the service. Great is your faithfulness. Regardless of the season that I go through, great is your faithfulness. Listen, I made fun of New Year's resolutions. Some of you have them. That's okay. But, but this is what I realized. My faith isn't in a new year. My faith isn't in some resolution that I make on January 1st. My faith isn't in some diet. My faith isn't in some bank account. My faith isn't in my 401k. My faith isn't in the stock market. My faith isn't in a political party. My faith isn't in headlines. My faith is only in Jesus. My faith is always in Jesus. So all across this room, if you would stand.